Welcome to the HR Empowerment Podcast, where we will uncover strategies and new insights from HR professionals who discuss up-to-date regulations, best practices, and the most pressing topics like diversity and equity, leadership, dealing with difficult situations, and much more that affect your bottom line and business. Thanks for joining us. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's Wendy Sellers, the HR lady with Katie Dykstra. Hi, Katie. Hi, everybody. Hey, uh... What do you do? <laughs> uh, so I do HR consulting, executive uh, leadership development. So think coaching leaders and then leadership programs. So I'll develop programs for organizations to help their leaders be better leaders. I love it. I think we do a lot of the same things, too. I also notice on your LinkedIn profile that you are also an adjunct professor. I am. I teach at Valpo University. I teach in the nursing school, a master's course for administrators that are working to become administrators. And it's about HR basics. I love it. Absolutely love it. So are you teaching science? I teach a little bit of science in there and just tell them about how we're wired. Yeah. I, I you know, so I, I mentioned in the last, uh, the closing up the last series here, I wanted to just talk about generations, you know, so we'll rip this bandaid off. Um, yeah. I have, you know, most of the world bashes the youngest generation. It's just what is, it is what it is. I find myself very defensive of all the younger generations because we created them, you know? <laughs> it's like, why can you, you can't point the finger at them if you've if you created them. And then I also say like, regardless of what you like or don't like as a hiring manager or CEO um, or an HR, uh, you know, executive, it is what it is. This is what we're being handed in society. So now we know, at least I know, and I think you know that um, we have to do a lot more analysis and assessment, even during the recruiting stage now, to make sure that we get people that have the aptitude, the the ability to get the knowledge, skills, and abilities that we need, or they already bring it with them, including those transferable skills that you mentioned before. You know, but where can our listeners start, either with candidates or employees, in like the the scientist world? Where do they start with data and analytics? It's a great question. I almost think you back it up a little bit and just understanding different generations and what they've gone through. So this is the first time that we're having five generations in the workforce. Like traditionalists are still in the workforce. They are the people that are before boomers. They are the people that you usually will see that are greeters at Walmarts or at Costco, Sam's Club. And they're because they didn't necessarily plan for retirement like they thought they should. So having those different generations that are in the workforce, you really got to meet them where they're at. And so that means that each generation is almost going to need a little bit of something different. And so I always tell people when it comes to like total rewards or training, like learning and development, it's an a la carte. So when you think about that, you know what to provide and offer different things for different generations. So first that you're an employer of choice right? That people are even interested in coming to your organization. But when it comes to your applicants, really, you want to see people that fit your organization from a value standpoint. I don't always say it's that unless they're going to be data scientists and they need a certain skill, I would question of, do you really need those 10 qualifications there? Or could you really live with maybe five of them that are on the job posting? Because I think we have a tendency to overlook people that are hidden potentials like gems because we are so focused that they need to have these certain skills. And so I always love looking at data and figuring out, well, how many people are really engineers? Um, how many people have decided to go a little bit further and getting a designation? Do we really need them to have that designation or can they come on board with us and then during their time with us, get that designation or that experience? And so sometimes I feel like we are very narrow-minded 
And then it makes us forget that there are really good people out there that don't need 10 years of experience. Yeah, they don't need 10 years of experience. They don't need a a four-year degree, eight-year degree, whatever it is. They may for your role, but I'm also seeing, and I'm so thankful, I was reading an article the other day, I'll try to find it and share it on on LinkedIn, where um, they, and I may have already done it for all I know, where, you know, the the statistics that are out there now are saying, you know, we need to be removing um, degrees from job descriptions because they're not always 100%. They don't always make a difference. Now, it does usually, you know, uh, increase the the salary a little bit more, rightly so. But you may not need a degree to do X, Y, D, Z task. And even if you have it, doesn't mean that you're going to get paid more. And on top of that, you know, just the data, data, data of, um, I always tell my clients, I'm an HR consultant as well. So I always tell my clients, yes, use data. Oh, you only have 15 employees. You're probably not going to be able to afford that. Please don't use, you know, you know, Billy Bob down the road here and use his data program. Make sure it's a valid and reliable data p- program um, or data analysis tool that we didn't make up ourselves because it, once you show that to an executive or a savvy employee, they're just going to think you're an idiot, to be quite honest, and throw that information out. So for many of our listeners are in smaller businesses and they just are wearing the HR hat. They're not necessarily HR, but they are CFO, HR, business owner. Where do they start? Like what kind of data analysis do they even start with? Yeah. And the thing is, you can just start with basics. Uh, I feel like it's a skill that maybe you and I might be good at, but I didn't learn it right away when I got into HR is how to storytell with data, because that's what really people need to do. And we have a lot of data at our fingertips already, even if you're a small organization. You can see how many people you're hiring every year. You can see what kind of backgrounds they're bringing to the table. You can see your turnover, how many people are leaving you. Uh, and you can also see like the tenor of, again, and those are just small data pieces. Yes, I might. you might have to do it in Excel. You yep. might not have an HRIS system, but you're still getting good information there about where your candidates are coming from, where you've found good talent, maybe where you could go based off what you're seeing. Uh, what I loved is during COVID, I had a couple HR peers that we would do like roundtables with. And what we were finding is like COVID shut down so many things. Where are we going to find talent now? And what we found is we started looking for transferable skills. So we found that people that worked in hospitality didn't want to work during COVID. They did not want to be out in the open. But what we found is they had transferable skills to work in sales. They already had the the experience. They already understood how to treat a customer. We can teach them the rest of those skills. And so that's to me is when the light bulb went off about transferable skills. And I had to think about it with myself with transferable skills. But again, if you can figure out the connection of the skill sets you're looking for and where it is in another industry, that's taking data and utilizing it in a way to find talent. I love it. And, and you know, use AI to help you, right? Um, you could you could 100%, you know, use ChatGPT, Google Bard, whatever other AI um, access that you have to say, I'm looking for this skill. What transferable skills might somebody have? You know, and I just clicked on an article here, uh, 15 transfer transferable skills companies want in 2024. Mm -hmm. And it starts out with number one, problem solving. Yeah. Think about that. When kids are getting out of college, I don't think they're learning how to think for themselves and have that critical thinking. Uh, And again, that's why I talk about the scientist pieces. It's okay to be wrong, but at least you're trying something and thinking about, okay, I can do option A, B, or C, and here's the pros and cons of what could happen. But a lot of people won't even make the decision. Instead, they're going to their manager saying, what 
can I do or what should I do? And so that's the scary part is that in college, and you would hope in high school as well, that we start to have you think for yourself. Yeah. But I think there's a fear piece in there. I think we've trained our kids to be scared to make decisions because of what it can turn out to be. Yeah. And I think that's important to know for um, our employers that are listening to say, you know, it's it's scary being a, uh, I'll just say a young person these days. Uh, they weren't taught the same things that we are. They have skills that we need, but they have skills that or they're lacking skills that we want too. And it's just a reality of the situation. So stop blaming the 25-year-old, the 30-year-old, the 16-year-old. Stop blaming them. Grab that mirror and say, how can I be part of the solution instead of just the problem and pointing the finger? So problem solving 101, really, you know, take away the blame. Let everybody know it's okay to screw up here. We're going to we're gonna fix it together within reason, obviously. <laughs> yeah, right. It's not failure. It's a lesson learned. I love it. I love I love the I love the part of um treating people and letting them know it's okay to screw up, you know, within these boundaries, right? And then the then the employee knows or your child or your spouse or whoever knows, okay, it's okay to make mistakes, but we just have to talk it to through and then this is going to be the process afterwards. And yes, there's going to be a come to Jesus meeting and yes, we're going to document it, but we're also going to get you some training and hold you accountable versus everybody just hiding it, right? Because let's face it, Katie, a lot of our generations were taught to hide it in many companies, hide the mistakes because you'll get fired versus, hey, I'm going to wave the white flag and let you know there's a major mistake stake and it's going to affect our our customers but I don't want to tell you cuz you're going to fire me versus exactly. I'll tell you and I'm going to help you get through this together. So, a uh, great great conversation on, you know, where to start in the HR scientist world. With that said, we have one more episode left. So, thanks everybody for listening to episode 4 of our five-part series where we're focusing on data data data. We'll be right back. Thank you for joining the HR Empowerment Podcast brought to you by Aurora Training Advantage. We hope you've gained new insight and strategies to navigate the HR profession. We look forward to you joining us again on the HR Empowerment Podcast.